to the Strictly Personal Podcast. I'm John Paul Battam, the host. Our theme, our message is intended to be a wide open forum, hopefully thought-provoking, but at the very least, entertaining. My father, the late John Battam, Hall of Fame broadcaster, started the Strictly Personal Commentary Show back in the late 90s. This is my attempt to keep that going. Throughout the many podcasts, I will be highlighting different audio clips of his broadcast history. I hope you'll enjoy that. Our commentary, relevant and interesting, all the while we'll have been uh, hosting different guests along the way. All the commentary provided is strictly personal. With that, let's get started. Your guest today will be none other than myself. We'll be talking a little bit about what's been going on throughout the world, uh, a bit of commentary uh, about the COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic. Right now, let's listen in on John Battam. We have John Battam, who is well known in the Weyburn area, speaking to us from Toronto this morning, and Mel Isaac who was here, both of them back in 57, and brothers-in-law, I suppose, John and uh, Mel, that goes back somehow to the uh, first days of your association with CFSL as well. Mel, you must have liked Johnny, you were allowed, uh, allowed the introduction of your sister to take place. Well, I had really nothing to do with that, because that happened before I had arrived in Weyburn, and uh, I couldn't prevent it, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Working from a long distance at that stage didn't work. John, how are you? Tell us a bit about what you're doing in the Toronto market now. Well, I'm fine. Uh, I'm working with uh, with the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, radio and some television, and uh, a lot of freelance work and things of that nature, and uh, staying busy and just enjoying life, and uh, just delighted to be here with you today. Uh, thinking back 25 years ago, all of a sudden you start to feel old, but you start to think back to some of the fun times and the, the silly times and, uh, and the amazing times that went on in those early days of radio because times have changed as you know Jim and Tommy uh, it changes a little bit but back in those days hey, it was it was pretty wild because you did everything and we were green we didn't have any idea what we were doing and it was a lot of fun and a lot of memories. John one of the things that we've told uh, a lot of the young people who've come in to uh, focus with us here in the last 19 years is that you probably will feel as time goes on that your first radio job was your most important one. Uh, how would you relate that as a guy that started in Weyburn and uh, now is uh, working with the, the, the uh, CBC and the major market of Toronto? Jim, I'd agree with you 100%. No question about it. I, I've had that question asked of me of many young guys who want to get into the business and, and the one, you know, you can go to broadcast schools and you can do everything else, but uh, I've always made one one statement to them. I said, regardless of what you do, the name of the game is you have to get into the business. And you don't start in the big markets. You get an opportunity to go to work at a radio station that'll give you the chance to do a lot of things. And I think as far as I'm concerned, uh, that was what happened with me getting into the business, uh, getting into broadcasting. We did everything, literally. I mean that. I mean, I, I, Mal can back me up, I think, on this because I remember those early days. Heck, we were working before the license was even approved and we were hauling equipment off the train and helping on the transmitter. And I think, uh, I'm sure, the best possible grounding one could ever get in, in broadcasting. And there's no question that first job is so important and uh, it's something that you'll remember a long time. Well, what about uh, your days uh, here in Wavern? Uh, I would imagine you made a lot of friends. You haven't been that far from the scene now with CBC and Regina, but uh, what fond memories do you have about your pioneer days in the broadcast business 25 years ago? Well, I think most of them relate to what John was just saying and the fact that we were all green as grass and we all had to do everything in the building, uh, you know, from sweep the floor to filing records and writing continuity in the whole sphere. But, uh, and I think that is the most lasting impression one can have from uh, the beginning of a uh, career in, 
so many young people in Weyburn at that stage, uh, you know, people of our age that we could relate to, and and it was a great uh, great time in that respect because everybody knew us and we knew everybody else. You guys made a lot of friends, I think, outside the station, which is something we urge our people to do is to try to get involved in the community. I know. Uh, Mel, for example, I recall you being uh, my Bantam baseball coach along with uh, Bob Hendricks and uh, John grew up in Wayburn and uh, of course played some sports here, football being one of them, but uh, I would imagine that uh, you got involved in the communities uh, very much outside the radio station as well. Very much so. In, in fact, uh, part of the reason I ended up in Wayburn to begin with was uh, playing a little hockey right. with the old Beavers and uh, that was a, a season that I'll never forget because it was just a lot of fun and, and a great bunch of guys on the team at that stage. Probably some of the best hockey that uh, even though we've had 22 years of junior hockey that's ever been seen here, Mel. I think so, and I recall uh, the, the final game that I played there was the, the championship game of the uh, Sioux Line League, and uh, it was in the old arena at that stage, and the weather was so warm that there was about an inch and a half of water on the ice, and it was more like a, uh, a ball hockey or water hockey than anything else. John, uh, you still have family here, your sister is here, and do you have a sister at Lumsden, uh, your brother Mike, who worked here at CFSL, started broadcasting here, is in Regina, and your mom over at, uh, at Whitewood. So uh, Saskatchewan's still very much part of your lifestyle, I would imagine. Very, very much so, other than my own immediate family. Uh, with, uh, with my, uh, I have a daughter that's married, and uh, I'm a grandfather, and delighted. I've got a young one uh, running around occasionally, they drop in, and my uh, number one son, he, he just got married, finished university, and two more, but outside of that, of mine, of course, all back in Saskatchewan. That's that's where our roots are. But I, I wonder if I had a second to pick up on what Mel was saying about those days back in the early days. I remember very well Mel playing hockey, and uh, I could pass along another one here to you, Mel, and to everybody else, because in just a few moments' time, I'm going out on the, on the golf course, believe it or not. I'm going to try it again. And one of the guys that's out here is a guy by the name of Barry Graves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, playing, and he's just sitting around the coffee shop. And uh, Barry and I, Barry, of course, played with the Beavers many years. Great, a great athlete, Wayburn, and uh, he and I did a little baseball coaching. I remember one year. Maybe some of the people listening remember those days when the kids were about fifteen and sixteen. But there are a lot of many, many people that uh, we met from outside our own area, and of course the, the community, uh, the various service clubs, and so many close ties. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm just going to break in here on you uh, three athletes uh, conversation uh, here, but uh, let's go back to those uh, early days. You were here right from day one, we said, we uh, got. Wasn't that right, John? Absolutely. How many were there of you? I'm sorry? How many of you were there on air? I'll tell you, I recall the actual on-air people at the time. There were four what I would call full-time broadcasters. There was a fellow by the name of George Kirster, who uh, was a contemporary of mine. We grew up together in, in Wayburn, went to school together, and uh, his dad was a dentist out at the, uh, at the hospital. Uh, he, George is out in Vancouver now, got into politics and a few other things. He was the morning man. And there was another chap named Bob Wood, who originally came from Regina. That was his home. And Bob worked around Wayburn, and he is the sales manager at a radio station, CKOC in Hamilton, who I see occasionally. And another fellow by the name of Bert Pryor, who worked for some time in Wayburn and then uh, in broadcasting, and I think he's with Air Canada now in Winnipeg. Those were the four original announcers. I think we had another fellow who used to come in very early, did the early morning show, uh, uh, Baker, which is, uh, was it Bert? Bert Baker, yeah. Right. He'd come in and do a couple hours. And we had George Stillery was the program manager, and uh, Keith Baker was the was the manager and engineer. And those were really the the original bunch. And 
you were one of those, Mel, were you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did that, uh, I, I, was that when uh, you first fellas started to have days off, John? Well, I think when Mel arrived, I got my first day off, as I recall. Well, I think everybody in, in, the, in the station took the day off the day I arrived, and I had never been <laughs> in the station before, and George Silvery took me up took me everything, you know, like, uh, you're supposed to know that this is the control panel, this is a board, this is, you know, and then he says, you come in at midnight. So I walked in at midnight. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and uh, I walked in the door, and I think it was Bob Wood was working at the uh, late evening shift. He got up and left, and he says, go ahead. I said, what do you mean, go ahead? What am I supposed to do? He said, just, you know, this is the mic switch, put it on, you're on the air. Oh, great. And then I looked around, and there was about 20 minutes of dead air while I figured out what I was supposed to do. Yeah, which button to push, which pot to turn up? I couldn't even get a record on the air at that stage. Well, I remember a thing we talked to Mal mentioned Bobby Wood, and uh, this was in the evening, and some of the listeners might remember those days, because Bob used to, uh, he'd be playing all the pop music and all the hot stuff, and he'd, he'd announce that the first uh, car that drove up downstairs uh, and honked the horn, he'd go down and give him a, give him a record. Well, of course, the station was up, what, three floors up, and two and a half minutes to three minutes, so we'd keep the door open, he'd say that, and he'd run downstairs, the first car come by, he'd give him a record, hope he get back on the time. And he used to make them, there were a lot of kids who would come around and pick up records. Another thing he used to do, he used to run across the street and make the old, uh, they used to have a draw, remember the old high art theater? Yeah. And he'd run across the street between records or in the news while I did the newscast, and he'd run across and make the draw on the stage and run back and get on the air again. So boy, we did everything. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you figure that it was worth paying your dues in a market the size of Weyburn. No question at all. I'll tell you what, it was uh, a great experience, and I know that... Uh, as I say, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of uh, people have worked at the station, and I, and I just hope that they have the same feeling that I do, and I'm sure Mal does, about, uh, about the grounding, the experience, and meeting people, and traveling, and uh, just, just a great life. Yes, a good life. Let's, uh, let's all hope that uh, once we get through all this, that we'll have much more ahead of us. You know, I haven't come on and talked on the uh, podcast myself it's uh one of those things where nobody likes to talk about themselves it's easier to ask questions questions about others but um thought maybe i'd come on today and maybe do my own and probably be a little ramble on here so bear with me but i don't know if you're like like me you get a lot of junk mail email and spam and stuff like that and a lot of it i don't even bother to read i'll just delete it I recently got uh, something sent to me in an email and somebody had indicated that they'd sent it and asked if I'd read it and I said no, I had, hadn't really seen it. And I uh, went back and took a look at it and I did read it and uh, thought it was quite interesting and it was Bill Gates' views on the COVID-19. You know, he was uh, trying to basically think about what is corona and COVID-19 and why it's here and what's really going on and what is it really teaching us. And he says that he's a strong believer in spiritual purpose. He thinks that there's a spiritual purpose behind this and uh, thought that was quite interesting. You know, I look at the, uh, I don't know, I've been probably pretty much indoors now for three going on four weeks. And uh, you start to think, well, maybe this is how the future is going to be for quite a while. You try to adjust, but it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. And um, I know that every time I do leave the house, uh, 
I feel like I'm on a subconsciously on a countdown of time just in case I was exposed. So psychologically that plays on you. It's, um, it's a very difficult uh, thing and I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But I uh, thought we should at least talk about it. Um, and looking at uh, Bill Gates' perspective on this, I thought there were some really key and interesting points that he makes. And whether this is a, a way to look at it or not, it's certainly um, intriguing. Um, you know, like he makes a comment here that it reminds us that we are all equal, regardless of our culture, religion, occupation, financial situation, or how famous we might be. This disease treats us all equally. Perhaps we should too. If you don't believe him, you can take a look at all of the famous people now that are, or celebrities anyways, that are now infected with the virus. This virus really doesn't have any borders. I mean, we've got these false borders, Canada, the United States, and then all over Europe. They really have a, they're really of little value against a virus because a virus has no, doesn't have any need for a passport. It can go anywhere. It reminds us of how precious our health is and how we've moved to neglect it through eating nutrient-poor manufactured food and drinking water that is contaminated with chemicals. Basically, if we don't look after our health, we will get sick. And I find myself trying to uh, look at everything that I'm eating and drinking and more so than I ever have, um, which doesn't say much because I probably didn't do enough, of, nearly enough of it. But now it really does hit home. Um, try to keep yourself sharp and feeling good as best you can. And you think you do all the right things. And even then you analyze everything that you did and you wonder if you did do enough. So it plays on you. It reminds us that the shortness of life and what is most important for us to do is really to look after each other especially for those that are old and sick. Their purpose is really not to go out and buy toilet paper, though many did. This whole thing reminds us how materialistic our society has become and how, when in times of difficulty, we remember that it is the essentials that we need. Food, the water, any medicine. I know that I had to start thinking about any medications that I have and my prescriptions and make sure that I have what I need. I don't want to keep going back and forth. And it's not something I really even thought of before, but now you start thinking about what you need to stockpile and, and that's food and water as well, you know, as opposed to the luxuries that we all think we need and we give a lot of value to, they're really not that important at the end of the day. It reminds us how important our family and our home life is and how much we have neglected it. It's forcing us back into our houses so we have to, so we can rebuild them into a home and strengthen the family unit. also reminds us that our true work is not really our job. That's what we do. It's really not what we are created to do. Our true work is to look after each other, to protect each other and benefit one another. It also reminds us to keep our egos in check. Hard to have an ego against this virus, that's for sure. It reminds us that no matter how great we think we are or how others might think we are, this virus can bring an entire world to a standstill. Who would have ever thought? You know, I go through the day now and I find myself trying to avoid watching some of the media, the news, and 
it's just overwhelming. It's to, to a point now where I just try not to even turn the TV on because it's on every channel, everywhere you look, and then you get on your phone, and then you're getting updates, and it's just everywhere. You're just getting flooded with it. And then you keep telling yourself to stay positive and focused and try to get through your day. And it's, uh, it's not easy, but then there's a part of you that wants to be updated. You want to know what's going on. And I, I got to admit that this has sort of been like the frog in the boiling water, if you will. Um, the frog doesn't realize if the water's boiling until it's too late. It just feels the water slowly get warmer. And a lot of this feels like, like that because little bits and little bits of information keep seeping out over a couple of days and and you kind of get comfortable with the information that you have and your knowledge of what you think the virus is all about and then you hear something slightly different or said a different way and then you start to second guess and wonder whether they really really know it's a again it really is something bill gates also says that it reminds us that the power of free will is in our hands that we can choose to cooperate and help each other. We can share things to give, to help and support each other as best we can. Or we can be selfish. We can hoard, look after only our, ourself. These are difficult times, and difficult times tend to bring out true colors in people. It reminds us that we can be patient or we can panic. We can either understand that this type of situation has happened throughout history in the past, and it will pass. Or we can panic and see it as the end of the world. Consequently, if you're looking at it that way, you can probably do yourself more harm than good. So staying positive is important. Although, as I said earlier, it's kind of difficult. It reminds us that we can either be looking at this as an end or a new beginning. It can be a time of reflection and understanding where we learn from our mistakes. Or it can be a start of a cycle which can continue until we finally learn the lessons we're supposed to learn. This whole thing actually reminds us that the earth is sick. It reminds us that we need to look at the rate of deforestation just as urgently as we look at the speed in which toilet papers disappear off the shelves. We're sick because our home is sick. It reminds us that every difficulty there is, there's an ease. Life is cyclical. And this is just a phase in, its, in the great cycle. We don't need to panic. This shall pass. Whereas many see the corona COVID-19 virus pandemic as a great disaster, Bill Gates prefers to see it as a great corrector. It's sent to remind us of the important lessons that we seem to have forgotten. And it's up to us to learn those lessons or learn them not. And when you go through it, you think, gee, you know, it is possibly just that way. The changes that it's bringing about in everyone's lives, whether it be personally, family, business, corporately, government, country, continent, uh, world. It's, it's, it's affecting everybody in the ways that I've just described, and it's hard not to.
and there's been some really inspirational stuff going on, and it's good to see. But I'd like to say that uh, once we get through this, that a lot of things will change and be affected by this. This is a paradigm. Things will change. And much like they did in 9-11, this will be 2020. will go down as a date in infamy as to how the world changed. It can't not change. This has just been too far-reaching. It's been so impactful at every level of our life, physically, emotionally, uh, financially, spiritually. Every part of your being is being tested and affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Well, as I wrap this up, I can't help but think of all of you. I think of my family. I think of my friends. I think of all the people that I know and that I'm close to. And I think of my roots and my heritage and all those things kind of come rushing in. I was thinking of my father the other day who's birthday just came and went on April 1st and boy wouldn't it have been nice to be able to consult with him at a time like this but perhaps just as well he's not having to go through it but I'll say let's hope let's hope that on the other side of this the world will change and things will be better and I believe that they will so I'll wrap it up by saying see you on the other side Where that foghorn blows, I will be coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the foghorn blows, I want to hear it. I don't have to fear it. You know I will be coming home Yeah, when that foghorn whistle blows I gotta hear it I don't have to fear it And I wanna rock your gypsy soul Just like way back in the days of old And together we will fool Until the best thing